And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, we conclude our look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. A marvelous teaching on the blessings of God's justification of believers in Christ. Pastor Elliot brings application to the passage to show how the blessings of justification should shape our everyday living. And now with his message today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. You've been given the astounding and surprising gift through Christ of peace with God. You ought to live in the light of that grace under the Lordship of Christ. What about the hope of grace? That's a big category in this passage. The hope of grace, the first thing we saw, a future hope of glory. Glory is God's perfections. And one day, according to 1 John 3, 2, we shall be made to be like him when we see him. When we see our Savior, we will be made to be like him. That's glorification. So we better start glowing now. If we're going to glow perfectly when we see Jesus, why don't we glow now? Glow now. Our faces, our speech, our hands and our feet should beg the question, what's up with you? (laughs) What makes you tick? Glow now. The hope of grace, the future hope of grace. No wrath, no standing before Christ at the great white throne judgment. Our sins are paid for. We don't have to pay for our sins in hell. No wrath. I think of Jesus' story in Matthew 18 on forgiveness. In Jesus' story, a slave owed more than he could have earned on slave wages in his whole life. And he went to debtor's prison, and in debtor's prison you earn nothing. But yet, in mercy, he was released and forgiven his debt. And there was another slave that owed this released and forgiven slave about two days' wages as a slave. And the guy that was forgiven more debt than he ever could have repaid insisted on being paid back the two weeks' wages from the other slave, and the other slave said, just give me a little time and I'll pay you back. He didn't, and he insisted, and he had the man with the lesser debt thrown into debtor's prison. Basically, Jesus taught that if your life is characterized by unforgiveness, that you are not yet forgiven by God. And so what will be a practical application of no wrath as a part of the hope of grace? Pass on the pardon. You've been pardoned everything. Should you not also pardon others, even if they don't ask you for your pardon? The guy who did you wrong in that business deal, pass on the pardon. The guy that cut you off in traffic, pass on the pardon. The man that walked out of of your life and your family, pass on the pardon. The father who abused you and neglected you and abandoned you, pass along the pardon. School teacher who wasn't fair to you in grading, pass on the pardon. What about the free access to God as part of the hope of grace? The free access to God calls us to pray. In that war room movie, when the older lady went into her war room, her prayer closet, then the younger woman went into her war room, every time they stepped into those war rooms, God heard them. And because you, if you are a Christian, have free access to the God of everything, we ought to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Do you know what that means? 
we pray with our eyes open sometimes. I pray on the way to work. You can all be grateful I don't close my eyes. Pray with your eyes open. Pray without ceasing. What about spiritual growth out of troubles? Uh, Spiritual growth out of troubles, how does this flesh itself out in real life? Well, it fleshes itself out in transparency, being transparent with others in the body of Christ. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens. I cannot bear your burden if you don't tell me what your burden is. You cannot bear my burden unless I risk and tell you what my burden is. We want to see God create a culture in this incredible body of Christ that we bear one another's burdens, that we're transparent with each other, that we get past superficial talk, that we're not such a big hurry to speak while someone else is speaking to us, but we listen. We want God to create that culture in the credible body of Christ. What could you do? Well, this is what you could do. Before next Sunday, you could pick up the phone and phone somebody in this church family and tell them a burden of yours. It's a risk. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If you phone someone up this week and give that person your burden, you know what's probably going to happen? They're going to reciprocate and say, well, I have a burden too. Can't help with someone's burden if you don't know what it is. They won't know what it is unless you tell them. Transparency. Uh, Under hope of grace still, a deep sense of God's proven love while we are in troubles. Uh, That happens when we're in the Word of God with a thankful heart. You will sense God's proven love for you and your troubles when you stay in the book and you read of His love and it reminds you of His love and you have a thankful heart. Going back to War Room, the young wife who was in such uh, anger over her husband's uh, selfishness, when she prayed, she was in the Bible, she prayed scripture, and she had a thankful heart ahead of time for God to change her husband and fix their home. If you want to have a deep sense of God's proven love for you when you are suffering, then get in this book with a grateful heart. Peace with God, we've talked about. Hope of grace, we've talked about. Last, praise for God. This is a screaming need. The need for believers in the Lord to Praise him publicly, to praise him audibly, to praise him openly is a screaming need of the Old and the New Testament. Jesus said this on the occasion of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. People were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees, the wet blanket on the picnic, said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Jesus is saying, it's so fitting, it's so apropos, it's so logical, it's so reasonable, it's so demanded that people who have a right relationship with me praise me openly that if they won't, the rocks will. So the time for silence, if you've been silent about praising God at your workplace, is over. The time for silence, if you've been silent about praising God in your marriage, is over. If you've been silent in your business dealings, your transactions, that silence needs to end and you need to be open, verbal, unashamed of praising God in business. 
Credit the Lord at least once a day. That's my challenge for you and me. Once a day, at least, verbally, credit God. Let me just tell you three things. This is to God's glory. This is not to my glory. In the last week, okay? Just the last, since I've been here before you, last week. In the last week, I had three opportunities to praise God openly with people I didn't know. First, it was the parking lot attendant at the international airport. I picked up Beth and JD as they flew in from Canada on Wednesday. We're exiting the uh, parking lot. There's a car ahead of me, and they're there for a long time settling their parking bill. So we sat. Eventually got squared away, and they pulled away. I pulled up to the window, and this lady in the hut said, Thank you for your patience. I came right to me. I said, well, it is a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gave me patience. She said, amen, brother. I had to send a letter to my parents and wanted to send it by courier, by FedEx. So I'm in the store looking after sending this letter by FedEx, and the clerk Says, I tell her, you know, new to the Bahamas, I go through this all the time. I come to be the pastor of Calvary Bible Church. We'll save you a seat on Sunday. Come and join us. That's usually what I say. And then she says, how do you like the Bahamas? I said, well, you know, we always say the weather is great, but the people are better. Then she said, but what do you think of the prices? (laughs) Gets better. She says... There, and she uses a curse word. So I said, well, you know what? The prices are high, but God looks after me and my family well. And God looks after me and my family well through the kindness and goodness of the Calvary Bible Church people. Praise him. After the morning service last Sunday, a man was visiting, and he uh, told me about some things, and he told me about his uh, wife being due to deliver their first baby in a month. And so, uh, as is my practice, I said, well, let me pray for you. He said, I appreciate that. I said, let's do it right now. He said, right now? I said, yes, right now. And so I prayed on the spot with him. His wife wasn't out, but I prayed for her and the baby and for him. And In other words, we have to praise God. It should just spill out of us naturally. Praise on the inside will spill out outside just naturally. There's always a reason to praise God publicly. There's always an opportunity to praise God publicly. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I serve the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue on our series of influence. And last time we, we started looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. We talked about how we make ripples. And I want to read that passage for you again. It says, it says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Again, as we consider, and we talked about last week, how darkness comes. And, and I want you to imagine for a second. I want you to imagine as we've had major power outages, you know, one thing for sure about Bahamians. When the power goes out, we want to get in our car, we want to go for a ride, 
and we see a lot of different food places. Uh, we want to go get ice cream. And let's be honest, it's so dark some places that the only thing that we see is the different food signs that we see, whether it be Wendy's or McDonald's, uh, Dairy Queen, whatever it is. We see that, that, that light in a distance, and we're like, we go to that place. We go to the light because it's shining. And I think that when we consider our light, this is how we are in this world. We are a light in the darkness. You know, we need to understand that as we look at those lights and we see at a well-lit city on top of a hill, in the same way Jesus said, you can't miss the influence of someone whose life clearly reflects the light of Jesus. You see, verse 15 says this, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. You see, you're not going to put a light just on the ground. You want to put it high so it gives more light. And it makes more of a ripple effect. You see, in this passage, it's clear that our light is meant to influence and be seen by people. People both near and far. We let the light shine when we let Jesus transform us more into his image. When we speak kind, kind and loving words to others. When we help people in need and of aid and guidance. We share the wisdom we've gained. And we share the story of Jesus and how he changed us. You see, we all have the ability to be a light that shines in the darkness. That's what influencers do. You see, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, as an influencer, we are to point people to Christ all the time. We should want people to see Christ in our lives. We should want people to see, hey, what's, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you so different? It's, I'm different because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's real. And it's authentic. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, be a light in a dark place. Share that story. You see, the Bible has so much to say about how we can influence each other for good and be a light in dark places. And today we, we want to look at another passage of Scripture as we think of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see, day drawing near. You see, we are encouraged here to share the message with many people. We are here to try to make the world a better place because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I think sometimes we forget. I think sometimes we look at our lives and we look at our world around us and we think to ourselves, this is a messed up place. And the reality is it's not going to get any better before it gets worse. And we need to recognize that and we need to understand that that is what God has called us. So he's called us to be a light in a dark place, to be an influencer. And to share the message of good news, the gospel message with others. In Romans 12, 9 and 11, it said this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You see, we are called to make the world a better place. To love one another. And it says to outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine that? And as we know in our Bahamian culture, this is hard for us because we are people who like to put down each other. Whether it be jokingly or whether it be with serious. We like to just joke around and put people down instead of lifting up, honoring them. You see, so with all the big things that need to be done, why is the Bible filled with so many small details about how to get along with people who are closest to us? 
Maybe because if we want to influence the world with our light, we need to help each other keep shining. Think about it. The people we are closest to, if we are encouraging them, we are influencing them. As Paul tells us, he wants us to make other disciples just like us. As he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And if we are doing that, that's what he has called us to do. If you want to be an influencer, you need to need to harness the power of proximity. The people closest to you need you, and you need them. You have wisdom to share with your closest ripple of community, and they have wisdom to share with you. You see, we need each other as influencers. You can help them shine brighter as they can help you do the same. You see, the Christian life isn't made to do it on your own. The Christian life is made, made to do with others. And we need each other. You see, we have the best chance of being our best selves when we are intentionally influential with the people closest to us. So I ask you this question as we look at this passage, these passages of Scripture. What are you doing to outdo one another? How are you being nice? How are you showing the love of Christ? And it says very clearly in verse 9, let love be genuine. Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. Don't let it be fake. Because I think that reality is that we have too many fake people in the world today. That we don't need other fake counterfeit Christians. We need real people who are willing to love on people who are willing to be influencers for Christ. So I ask you, as we think about that, what are you doing with the influence that you have? What are you doing with the ripple effects that you have? Are you making a big tidal wave for Jesus Christ? Or is your ripple so small that people would wonder, do you really have a relationship with Christ? I think too many times we fall in the middle. Where at times we have a great effect, and especially for us who, who come to know Christ, when we first come to know Christ, it's like, wow, we want to take on the world, and we want to make these huge ripples, and we make these statements that we say, I want to change the world. And then when we come to know Christ, as personal say for years, sometimes those ripples get smaller and smaller and smaller, and we don't have the same influence that we had. We don't have the same ripple effect that we once had. But as we see... In today's passages, Christ has called us to be a light wherever we're at, to be influenced wherever we're at. And he didn't say for a period of time, but he wants us to be, as long as we have breath in our lungs, to be the greatest influencer for him. And now, today's personal God story. Good morning. My name is Thaddeus Pears. I grew up in a Christian home where my parents were missionaries in the inner city of Jacksonville, Florida where I was born. One could say I was exposed to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and His saving work from birth. My parents always paid very close attention that I and my siblings knew for ourselves the love of God showed through His Son, Jesus, never forcing it on us, but being sure that we knew that is what they believed and hoped we would believe it too. When my parents moved back to the Bahamas, I was five years old. And it was in that year my mom asked my sister to read me this book called The Greatest Story Ever Told. The book simply and clearly explained how God made the world perfect and made Adam and Eve the first two perfect human beings. Then it explained how Adam and Eve were tempted by sin and fell, thus causing sin to enter the world and us. 
and it clearly explained that only through a perfect sacrifice can man be saved from the ultimate death of sin. It explained that the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus Christ, God's Son, who lived a sinless life and died for my sins and rose again to give us a new hope of a life in Him. After I heard that and understood it, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. As I got older, I knew that I had been saved from sin and was a Christian, but at the time, I didn't realize that meant living differently. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was delinquent or have some extreme stories about all the bad things I did. I was a good kid, for lack of a better word. I knew the Bible said that I must obey my parents and just do whatever the Bible said. At the time, that is what I thought it meant to be a Christian, and so that's what I tried to do. It was not until I was 12 when I attended the Christian Youth Sports Camp, Camp Bahamas, that even though I was a Christian, I wasn't really living for Christ. I viewed it as something you, one, do to stay out of hell, or two, to be a good person. During that time at camp, I realized that Christianity was truly about giving my life to God and not just doing what He says. It was about having a relationship and giving your life to be used by God and to do His work. It was there when I rededicated my life to God. My whole view on life changed after that. God began to give me an overwhelming passion to do any kind of ministry I can for His glory. And He gave me a passion for studying His Word so I can know Him more and in turn tell others more about Him. My life had meaning and purpose for the first time. It was not just about going through life, making the right decisions, but it was about living a life through God and fulfilling the mission he has for all of his children. So to anyone who is struggling with a reason for life or someone who is just anxious about the future, whether it may be what college you want to go to or if you can make the bills at the end of the month, I encourage you wholeheartedly to put that trust in Jesus Christ and you will experience the peace and love that only He can give. A love and peace that gives you true purpose and passion. And that's my story. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. 2 Corinthians 6.15 Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? The question is, who or what is Belial? In 2 Corinthians 6.14-16, Paul asks five rhetorical questions, each of which expects a negative answer. 
The stress in this section is on the incompatibility of Christianity with heathenism. In verse 15, Paul asks, Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? The term Belial is actually a Hebrew word that has been transliterated into Greek and means worthless, worthless. In the Old Testament, the term was often joined with another, like word, son or daughter. In later Jewish writings, the term was used as a proper name for Satan in the book of Jubilees, chapter 1, verse 20. Paul is using the term in this way. To his question, what harmony has Christ with Satan, we answer none. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.